This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Hi, I'm Jeff Ellingham. I'm uh, I'm an Agile coach. I'm a leadership coach. I'm a psychotherapeutic counselor. I used to be a primary school teacher. I do all kinds of things. Uh, and at the moment, I'm just kind of trying to have fun with meeting as many people as I can in lockdown. This series, Agile in Wonderland with Jeff Ellingham, started in episode 118. Go to the show archive to find it. During this series, we've been joined by a bonus guest. Hi, I'm William Rowden. I lead enterprise agile transformations uh, after starting from uh, agile development years ago. And I've had a recent interest in what kinds of understandings of human, the human mind of psychology and of development can uh, help us be more successful in our agile transformations. During this multi-part series, we're going to discuss a paper published by Jeff called Agile in Wonderland, Human-Centric Coaching. There are links to the paper in the show notes. We continue the conversation about Jeff's final article in a series based on his research into the lived experience of Agile coaches. And in this paper, he introduces the Agility Coaching Model. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. What are the, so are these paradoxes sure. you uncovered? So I've called this the expert paradox. And I, so in the feedback that I've had from my, from my model, one of the criticisms was these paradoxes aren't new. And I, I'm going to say straight off the cuff, I'm not claiming any of this is, is new. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is really just trying to pull out some threads. Uh, but I haven't heard this ex- paradox expressed in this way. And it was really clear from my interviews and from the follow-up conversations I've had with people, that this is something that, that many, many Agile coaches experience. And it's that we tend to be hired for our specialist expertise in Agile methods. But those of us that have been through any kind of coaching, training, or education will have been taught that as a coach, the main knowledge and expertise is not is not of value. What's valuable is being able to, is to get curious about your client, understand what your client wants to have happen, and help your client to reframe, to look at their problems from a different view. That our clients are resourceful, our clients is have the source of their of their own uh, solving their own problems, dealing with their own development needs internally. We're just kind of unlocking that for them. So the paradox is that uh, we are pulled towards this kind of, this expert agile teacher trainer kind of persona. To, this is how to do it. The, the shoe of the shoe hari, if you like. Um, and at the same time, we're pulled towards stepping back from that expertise and engaging with curiosity with our clients and and asking that, what would you like to have happen question. And it's not unique to agile coaches. So if you take a sports coach, for example, you can see some of the same challenges that you might be, you know, trying teaching somebody how to bat 
in, in baseball, for example, which I used to coach many years ago. And you're, you're looking at the kind of psychological challenges of someone who's, uh, who, who's, who's blocked in some way or other. But in agile coaching, it seems to me it's more pronounced than in any other form of coaching, that we are switching modes from, from this kind of expert kind of skills teaching, yeah, really, really kind of that expert column in my model all the way through to getting really curious with a team or with a leadership team or an organization and paying attention to what's happening in relationship between people in that team and helping to, to reframe and unlock. And the experience of the coaches that, that I spoke to was very much that they found the expertise part in particular really scratchy, that, that, that getting pulled into that area made them uncomfortable in different ways and they found it quite hard to kind of step between the two. So that was, that was the first of the two paradoxes. The expert paradox is the paradox that clients hire agile coaches in a large part because of their expertise in agile, yet coaching orthodoxy suggests that domain expertise is of low value. The result of this paradox is that agile coaches experience discomfort and resist employing their expertise. How do we reconcile this tension? How can I both tell you this is the way and support you in finding your own way? This is the subject of Jeff's first article in this series. Our clients don't need experts, but they do need expertise. There's a link to this paper in the show notes. And the second paradox, which is which I've called the ideology paradox, there's a fantastic paper based at Pivotal Labs, which is you know a large organisation uh, that, that underwent a kind of agile transformation some time ago, that really noted the way that ideology was used as a uh, as a really valuable instrument in in helping that transformation to happen so by creating almost a cult status for agile that this is the way this is our way this is who we are that was a way of helping an organization make this enormous cultural step from this we work like this this is how we do things to now we we're working in a completely different way so because we're trying to we're really trying to unfreeze an organization's culture and transform it and refreeze it. Ideology is a way of helping that to happen. And it then tends to refreeze in this, you know, with this new ideology as part of the new fixed mindset. So at the same time, uh, we can see that ideology can be, can help with the transformation and it can limit further growth. The ideology paradox is how agile adoption requires a radical change in organizational culture, which is accelerated, supported, and sustained by positioning agile itself as an ideology. However, the new agile ideology is also resistant to challenge in the same way as the pre-agile ideology undermining the ability of the individuals, organizations, and the wider Agile community to continue to change and adapt. The result of this paradox is that the central value statement of the Agile Manifesto to respond to change is in the long run inhibited, reintroducing the fragility that Agile was introduced 
to counter. And again, it, what came over really clearly in the uh, in the interviews was was so there's there's some great words in the actual interviews like nausea and sickness and uh, about how people felt about anything that anything that seemed to be fixed whether that was scrum as a framework or a particular way of talking about agile and there is i think and this so i've talked from my own personal experience i experience a smugness sometimes in our community that we've somehow unlocked the secrets of the universe in agile that there is a there is a cult-like feel sometimes i think to to the way that our community talks about itself and and i love our community you know i i i i and and the fact that i love our community tells me that some of that is in me too that i've kind of fallen into that same that same trap so i think i think we're pulled into that ideological uh, that ideological cult like kind of feeling it's easy to to use it in organizations and it's really dangerous to use it in organizations because it makes it hard for the the longer term transformation to to happen so so that's the second paradox and again and both of those just as i say came across really clearly not in so many words but in in different kind of stories and ways of talking about experience in those interviews Let's talk about the first paradox a moment. Sure. The agile consultants or practitioners—they're—they feel um, how did you say that uncomfortable? Yeah. Why is that? I think it's because so we're, we're putting these two words together: agile coach, and we're and we're telling people you're both of these things, and we're not really we don't really do very much. You know, even, even if you look at the the. The, the kind of the agile coaching training that we do, like the IC Agile version, which, which I think is, you know, it's 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 a pretty good grounding for people. We don't really help people to understand what it means to inhabit these two places. We've got the fantastic Lisa Atkins competency framework where you can walk around this this model and be a be a teacher and mentor and coach and so on. But we don't really talk about what it really means to step across because stepping across is really is really changing our whole mode of behavior and i think that as people develop their coaching skills and they go off and and they learn about professional coaching or they learn about systemic coaching they just keep getting this message that says don't be a specialist don't be an expert be curious about your clients but don't tell them what to do listen to what they're asking about and, and the more people hear those messages, the more uncomfortable they get with their expertise. And part of our job, I think, is to recognize that an agile coach is not like a professional coach. And uh, that expertise is, is absolutely part of what makes us valuable. And we have to hold that expertise lightly in a way that a trainer doesn't, in a way that a teacher doesn't. And it's, it's a different way of holding that expertise and a different way of engaging. I love that perspective, and I'd like to I'd like to build on that from yeah, sort of a from a developmental perspective. Because what I what I hear, uh, what I saw in your LinkedIn article, and what I hear in what you're saying is this emphasis on meeting the client where they are, and so then it makes sense to sort of 
estimate, sort of assess, think about where the client is and where the coach is. And I love that you called that out in your article as well. So what I see when I hear someone who says, uh, I want to learn Agile, tell me the process, Mm. then I think, well, this is is an amber way of framing it. This is a conformer expert way of framing it. Tell me what's expected of me. Tell me the roles and responsibilities. Tell me how to do it. I will learn it as a body of knowledge. And so that's that's uh, often where our clients are. The this, however, insight that each person lives in their own world and it has its own legitimacy, and that the human system is constantly evolving and emerging, and so has within it the seeds of the next stage. Those are green teal insights. And so yeah. then, if you're going to meet the client where they are, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable for where you might be or what you might have learned as the way to go about it. So I see that sort of tension in developmental ways. Also, there's an interesting aspect here. If you think about these forms of mind, the form of mind that it requires to develop idea is not the form of mind that it requires to understand and grok the idea. And by form of mind, I mean your conformer, expert, achiever, List. So, so somebody can come up with a particular way of framing things and then can teach that way. But the people who uh, adopt that don't adopt a particular idea, don't immediately develop to a new form of mind simply by adopting the idea, which means you can hold in your mind a more complex idea than you actually can enact in your daily practice. And so, in some cases, the Agile community is in the business of teaching some relatively developed concepts in a simple way to folk that might not yet be there. And so the people absorb it as sort of facts and doctrine and ideology, when in fact it's a way of thinking that can emerge and we're trying to move them toward that mindset. So I see some of the expertise and ideology uh, uh, paradoxes as uh, the challenges of meeting your client where they are when you're trying to help them grow into you know, their next stage. Exactly. And, you, and you've, just, you've just kind of named exactly the kind of process that I went through and why the developmental stage framework seem to be a way of exploiting those paradoxes that exactly that 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 uncomfort that discomfort that coaches were feeling was was the discomfort of of stepping of stepping back through the developmental stages because you know if we if we accept transcend and include as a as a as a basic tenant of developmental stages that if I've if I'm at catalyst I still have access to my achiever and my expert levels then once once you understand that you can either you can either go you can either go back and inhabit expert to meet your clients there or you can meet your clients from where you are but still taking the same that same knowledge and framework you can make some decisions about where you want to about which uh, which development stage you want to inhabit as you're meeting a client. But certainly that discomfort, I think, is is the dissonance that one feels when one is reaccessing one of those earlier developmental stages. So, yeah, that, that's exactly why I use that model.
Yeah, that makes sense. And the metaphor that I love in this particular area comes from uh, Keegan's book. So he's he's a researcher in this area. The book before he made his books accessible, In Over Our Heads, The Mental Demands of Modern Life. And he sort of lays out his developmental theory. But this metaphor of being in over your head, of having an expectation set on you that you are not quite ready for is actually one that I use deliberately in my coaching. So when you talk about the tension between where the client is and where a coach might be, I tend to try to pitch the message just over the head, right? And what you call in your article, the learning edge, right? Not so accommodating to where the client is that my message sounds like everything they've heard before, but also not so far beyond where the client is set that they say that'll never work. I can never do that. That doesn't make any sense. Just beyond just enough tension uh, to, to create some dissonance, some, some struggle in order to view things in a new way. Angel Grande teaches you systems thinking through dramatic storytelling, such as Carter takes a job to improve a logistics company's adaptability, but efforts to scale agile practices are being blocked by Mr. Chernesky, a vice president who's organized the company into siloed pigeonholes in order to secretly make millions with a dark web shipping service. Carter's life is in danger, he goes underground, and a spy agency hunts for him. When Carter uses systems thinking, systems modeling, and organizational change to save his company and his life, you get to learn how to apply that to your organization as well. Get your free copy of Agile Grande at leanpub.com. We've got those goodies in the show notes, so if you have a podcast player, it'll suck them right up. But if you don't have a podcast player, you can go back to the site where you downloaded this podcast, and that website will have the show notes as well. Next episode, more Jeff and special guest William. Let's talk about the model now. Uh, Go ahead and describe it. It's a pretty standard kind of grid. It has four columns, although... You know, I was very clear in my article, this is a this is the first iteration, and I've been having a little bit of a conversation with Bill Joyner about the alignment of of the, the kind of spiral dynamics and form levels that, that Lulu uses in reinventing organizations and Joyner's levels that come from this kind of, this like, this different history and they don't and they don't fully align that was actually the first thing i noticed when i was reading your <laughs> article i thought oh he doesn't align them the way Lulu does yeah. and this uh, knowing that i was reading your article last night and knowing that i was talking to you this morning created some tension in me because i thought well this is this isn't the way i would align them this isn't the way spade aligns them or you know no. whatever and so as i was reading it and then i got to the end and i saw <laughs> i've gotten some feedback from bill Joyner, and i'm like oh okay well so i i, I won't be in a situ- in the position of you know, telling him that his baby has a blemish um, <laughs> because it's a beautiful baby. <laughs>